You're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Venom Audio Network. This episode of The Way Home Podcast is brought to you by the good folks at the Christian Standard Bible. I just want to say a word real quick about the CSB translation. I've been using it in my preaching and my writing and in my personal devotions for the last couple of years. I really like their uh, balance of good scholarship and faithful translation work also with readability. I want to make you aware of a special new commentary series called the Christian Standard Commentary. This is a set of commentaries that focuses on the theological and exegetical concerns of each biblical book while paying careful attention to balancing rigorous scholarship and practical application. I am always on the hunt for a good set of commentaries to help me with my preaching and with my writings, particularly when I'm writing things like the characters of Christmas or the characters of Easter or other things to really help me illuminate the passage in scripture that I'm studying. This series really helps you understand each biblical book's theology, its place in the broader narrative of scripture, which I think is very important, and its importance for the church today, drawing on the wisdom and skills of dozens of evangelical authors. Uh, It's really a tool for enhancing and supporting the life of the church. If you go to lifeway.com during the month of April, you can get the Christian Standard Commentary Series for 30% off, which is a really incredible deal. So go to lifeway.com and get the Christian Standard Commentary Series. I highly recommend it. And we want to thank them for sponsoring this episode of The Way Home Podcast. Well, hello and welcome once again to the Way Home Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me today. I hope that these conversations are really beneficial to you. And if you enjoy them, would you rate and review them on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts? I've been looking at some of the podcast statistics and it seems like many of you listen and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or uh, some of your favorite apps. And I'm so glad that you're able to do that. Even quite a few listeners from Spotify Uh, Would you tell a friend about that so that they can hear these conversations as well? Today is a really important podcast. Uh, I mean, I love all the conversations I have, but this one really is important to me. I have a chance to talk to Sissy Goff. Sissy is a licensed Christian therapist and particularly working with young people and teens. She's written several great books to help parents and teens navigate parenting and all those challenges, but most importantly, mental health issues. She has benefited our family, uh, particularly in the last year or so, as we've had to go through some of these issues. And her latest book is called Brave, A Teen Girl's Guide to Beating Worry and Anxiety, which is really helpful for my teenage daughter and my wife. Uh, Sissy is just really good at connecting the physical and the spiritual, understanding that we are complicated beings, that we we, we suffer physically sometimes, we suffer spiritually, and a lot of those things are marbled in together as we think about depression and anxiety and all these things. This last year has been hard on many people, particularly young people, particularly teens when it comes to the area of depression. Many teens were shut up, not able to go to school, be with their friends, they're not able to go to youth group and hang out. And all the important things that are formative in the life of a teen were taken away from them, which has really resulted in quite a few more cases of and and just much heavier anxiety and depression so sissy is here to help us as parents walk through this how do we help our kids through this how do we as parents face this so i really think you're going to want to listen to this podcast 
pull up a chair and listen to this conversation with Sissy Goff. Well, I'm so glad to have on the Way Home podcast, Sissy Goff. Sissy, thanks for joining me. I'm so honored to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. So glad to have you. And as we were talking before in the before we started, your your ministry has been a blessing to our family. Our family has had some struggles with mental health, mental illness, particularly our children, particularly in this last year or so. And your book, Brave, has really been helpful, especially for my oldest daughter. My wife has kind of walked her through it. So much really helpful things there. I want to encourage people to get this book. We're going to have it a link to it in the show notes. But I wanted to ask you, before we talk about these really important things, I would just love to know, just because I this is something I, I'm always interested in, how did God lead you into this kind of ministry? Well, you know, it's funny because... I think I'm probably older than you are, but (laughs) when I was growing up, no one was talking about counseling. I mean, if I had any friends who were in it, no one acknowledged it. And which was, I think, really to our detriment in a lot of ways. I knew of one, I'd heard of one child psychologist, which this says some about my high school years. She was on Days of Our Lives. Her name was Marlena. (laughs) Uh And she was the only one I was familiar with. And, but somehow that, that concept of working with kids in that kind of capacity kind of lodged its way in my heart. And my, I grew up with my dad in the holiday Inn business back when holiday ends, when you Mm -hmm. saw him everywhere. And, and he really wanted me to follow in his footsteps. And I just, I think I did not obviously feel called into that, but I went to college and he was pushing business classes and I kept taking psychology classes and, you know, just like God works so often, it was one step at a time. Those were the classes where I just felt more tug at my heart. And then I knew I had to go to grad school if I majored in psychology. And so I applied to Vanderbilt and had always been kind of intrigued with Nashville. I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas and got into Vanderbilt grad school. And, and I had had a background in young life, which I just loved. And so that idea of working with kids and getting to come alongside them had really taken root inside of me too. And so Honestly, I think it wasn't until I interviewed at the place where I'm still working almost 30 years later, I interviewed with my boss, Melissa Trevathan, and I had tears in my eyes the whole interview thinking, I feel like this is what God made me for. And I didn't know it existed, that it was counseling and super professional and clinical, but also really relational. And, you know, now we're, you may have heard a little bit about Daystar, but I mean, we're in a yellow house and I take my dog to work every day and you know, so it's it's very disarming in its approach to counseling. So I think it was kind of like when I met Daystar was when I really felt like, oh, this is it. This is where I've been meant to be. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. You say that I, I felt the same way growing up that I'm 43. I grew up in a, a, a bit of a more uh, fundamentalist background, not to throw shade, you know, because I, I love my church, you know, growing up and grateful for everything. But In our world, you know, there was a stigma about psychology and psychiatry. And really, you if you needed counseling or help, you went to the pastor, which I still recommend people do. But it was like, that's the only person that can help you, you know, and it was there's just a stigma of that. And of course, when I became a pastor, I realized, you know, like there's a skill set God has given people to work through the layers Mm -hmm. of people's lives, both clinically, 
and what's going on with their bodies, but also spiritually and how complex and interwoven that is. And I've really begin, and we had some mental illness in our family. I became awakened to that. So I'm really a big believer in the, in the work that you're doing. Uh, it seems like there's less stigma, although I, it, it's still as a pastor, there's still a thing that a lot of us have that if I go to a counselor, you know, like if I get in my car and actually go, then something must be wrong with me or someone's going to see me. Someone's going to think something's wrong with me. And how do we, how do we work through that? One of my favorite perspectives on that I have ever heard in my life. I heard just in the last couple of months from a parent and it was her first time appointment at Daystar. And she came in and she said, you know, my child was saying, why do I need to go to counseling? Nothing's wrong with me. And this child had anxiety. And so was anxious about having to go to counseling. And the mom said to her, which I thought was brilliant. She said, you know, we, our job as parents is to build your team of people that are going to be cheering you on Mm. throughout your growing up. And she said, we have somebody who's checking on your body. That's your doctor. We have people who are helping you with your brain development and your mind that are your teachers. And of course, we're going to have somebody that's helping you emotionally. And that would be what we're going to do at Daystar, which, I mean, I think for all of us, it is wise for us to have somebody who's helping us physically and somebody who's helping us cognitively still and somebody who's helping us spiritually, like a pastor, like you said, and then somebody that is kind of in our back pocket. Not that we go to counseling every week for the rest of our lives, but that when something does come up, we already have that trusted relationship and we can reach out to that person and they can help us walk through it. Yeah, I I agree with that so much. And the Bible says that with a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. Mm -hmm. And it's true for all of us that we need more than one. I think as a parent, I want other voices in my kid's ear besides me that might be gifted in certain ways that I'm not that can help reinforce what we're trying to do, right? Yes. And you're so right. And part of that too, is I think as kids march closer and closer to adolescence, you know, I mean, you know, this as a parent, your voice gets a little bit quieter and the voices of other people gets louder. And so we laugh at Daystar all the time and say, we're saying the same exact thing that parents Mm -hmm. are saying to kids, but we're a different voice. So sometimes kids will hear us a little bit louder. That's, That's so great. There's a few different places we could go, but I, I really think this is such an important conversation. This year has been hard. Yes. For teens. Um, it's been hard for everybody the last. Right. It's been hard of all of us. Yeah. The, you know, 10 to 12, 18 months, however you want to talk about so many things. But I really feel like the isolation has been hard for teens. If you think about what teens have lost, not just in-person schooling, but hanging around their friends and all the little gatherings that we took for granted that we probably didn't even really want to go to, but we went anyways that were forming us in terms of the being with people. I feel, and they lost, a lot of them lost their ceremonies, their graduations, their, their camps that are so formative. And can you just speak to the crisis that's, I feel there's a, there's a crisis with teens and mental health right now. Can you speak to that situation? Yeah. I love that you're so aware of that as a pastor and that that's your heart is leaning towards that because that's exactly what I've seen in counseling. And, and at this point I've been counseling almost 30 years and, and pre-pandemic, what I was seeing happen is that the kids that I was the most concerned about at that point were elementary age kids and girls in particular. And the statistics on anxiety in kids were that one in four kids were dealing with anxiety with girls twice as likely. And the average age of onset had been eight. It was dropping down to six. And so 
really in 2019, I was so worried about these little girls. And it was fascinating because when the pandemic started, these little girls that had been so anxious in my office, all of a sudden I was counseling via Zoom and they were hopping on with their little stuffed animal under one arm. And I think the pressure had lifted in a way that they felt so much better. They were spending time with their parents. You know, we were investing so much as families. And immediately the population I was more most worried about were adolescents, which is why I wrote this book. I had written a book about worry and anxiety for elementary school kids and one for parents, but I hadn't written one for teenagers yet. And then when this happened, I was watching their anxiety skyrocket. And so I immediately thought, I've got to do something to help, which is why I wrote Brave. But then as time has marched on, because exactly what you said, I mean, they have been really anxious and the anxiety has been mounting. But I think there's been this isolation that has been really concerning for them. And and adolescents really thrive in friendships and in relationships. It brings them to life. And so, like you said, the loss of so many different events, so many different places of community and connection. What I'm seeing now is that anxiety is spilling over into depression. And we are seeing evidence in my office of exactly what we're seeing with the statistics globally of the rates of kids talking about suicide or attempting suicide are going up exponentially. And so it is definitely the population that I feel the most worried about now, which again, is why I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. Yeah. And there's something, the one of the things we learned from Brave that my wife and I have been talking a lot about, well, there's, there's a lot of things <laughs> that we've learned that we've been talking a lot about, you know, for us as parents to understand that our children, their brains are not fully formed at this point, and they're still processing a lot of things. And you talked a lot in there about like the, the different parts of our brain and how that particularly like when, when there's an emotion like anger or something, how one part gets flooded and how we should deal with that. I know you can't reiterate all of that in this podcast, but can you talk a little bit about that as a way of helping parents think through these conflicts and interactions with parent with, with their teenagers. Yes. Cause that's such an important piece of it because from a scientific standpoint, I mean, I sit with so many parents of kids of all ages who will use words like control, manipulation, anger, when they talk about their kids. And the more we sit down and talk about it, I'll ask questions like, tell me when that comes up, what's the context around it? Let's kind of dig deeper if you will. And so as they talk about it, it is times that often make kids anxious. It's unpredictability. It's um, things like changing the schedule at the last minute. You know, it's transitions, things like that, that, that trigger these kids. And, and I think especially young ones don't have the words yet to say that makes me feel anxious when you change my schedule at the last minute. And I didn't have any warning, you know, of course they can't say that. And, and so anger would always be considered a secondary emotion. There's always something underneath it. And from a brain chemistry standpoint, what's happening is, you know, for any of us, when we're calm and thinking rationally, we have blood flowing all throughout our brain, including going to the prefrontal cortex, which helps us think rationally and manage our emotions. When we get really anxious, the blood vessels in our brain constrict and it shifts the blood flow back to the amygdala, which is the fight or flight region of the brain. And so when parents will say they act like a crazy person, yes, absolutely they do. Because the part of their brain that isn't crazy, that's reasonable and rational, isn't even getting blood in those moments. Mm -hmm. And so I think to help parents, to watch parents in my counseling office, it's like the 
frustration drains from their face and it's replaced with compassion because I think it's hard to get there when we don't understand. But but usually a kid's operating out of their amygdala and is in fight or flight and it triggers the same in us. And so we just react and then nobody's even getting to anywhere productive or healthy because we're all reacting with each other. So we've all got to calm down, calm our bodies down before we can get to a reasonable place together. Yeah, that is so true because it's so interesting that the one you love the most can trigger the most emotional anger reactions, right? You're, you're thinking, absolutely. this is my child that, you know, I've raised and what's going on and who, who, who took my child away from, you know? So that's, yeah. that's such a great insight. And I, again, I want to encourage folks to get this book brave. One of the things my wife has done, and I, I, I'm curious if you could talk about this, you know, I'm an, I'm an author myself and, yeah. you know, teens like to read obviously, but what has been helpful is my wife has been reading this. It, it's obviously you wrote this book for teens, right? but my wife has been reading it to her intentionally mm-hmm. and they've been going through it together. Have you found a lot of parents are doing that rather than just kind of handing your teen a book and saying, read this and see me in, you know, a month? Yeah. Well, I think, honestly, I think that says a lot about your wife and your daughter's relationship because there are a lot of teens who would not let their moms do that. So yeah, that's amazing. Way to go um, for her. And I would say if your daughter will let you, it's a beautiful idea. If not, like one of the things that I recommend in counseling a lot is when parents and girls, moms and girls or dads and girls have a shared journal and they write back and forth and brave was really written to be in journal format. So if you can read it to her, that's awesome. If not, even if you can let her read a chapter and write in it and annotate Mm. it, you know, and then give it to you and you can read how she's commented and what she said and then ask questions in the margins and send it back to her and go back and forth like that. Because some teenagers get really awkward with kind of direct intimacy with parents. And so anytime we can be kind of indirect and shoulder to shoulder, I think we can connect better sometimes. But if you can directly, that's amazing. Before we continue our conversation, I just would love to tell you about a great new podcast that I would love for you to check out. It's called Compelled. Uh, They find Christians with amazing stories about how God has transformed their lives. In fact, uh, just a couple days ago, they released a brand new interview with uh, a man by the name of Ken Freeman, who uh, endured unbelievable and tragic abuse and neglect and torture as a child. They sat down with Ken and talked about what that's like to endure that trauma as a child and uh, some of the things that he's still going through and processing. And how finding faith in Jesus Christ helped him find the love of a perfect father. Uh, I think uh, this is a story that you'll want to check out. So you can go to compelledpodcast.com or you can search for Compelled in your favorite podcast app. We want to thank these kind and creative folks for sponsoring this episode of The Way Home. thing I really love about Brave and about your work is something that's very hard for, I feel like, to find is the synthesis of the spiritual and the clinical or the spiritual and the physical, which, you know, I, I strongly believe as 
as a Christian, you know, the Bible talks about us being holistic. We're spiritual beings, but we're physical beings, right? We're not just right. both. And I feel like a lot of times, sometimes counseling will only be clinical hmm. and there's not the spiritual dimension or counseling will only be spiritual and doesn't address the, the physical dimension. So talk about how you really synthesize these two. And when we, when I read brave, I really feel like you do it in a way that's just very, it just flows really well. So just maybe talk about your approach in that sense. Well, the book, Brave book, but also Raising Worry-Free Girls and Braver, Stronger, Smarter are all kind of a similar format Mm -hmm. because it's how I approach it with families and it's understanding and then help and then hope. And that we've got to start with a real basic understanding of what anxiety is, how it impacts us, because I think if we're only coming at it one dimensionally, we're not really helping the whole person. And so starting with this sense of understanding like why it's impacting you, how it's impacting you, and then moving to a real practical sense of help is very important. And that's the cool thing about anxiety is it's the most prevalent disorder technically among kids right now, but it's also the most treatable. And so I think we want to give really practical tools to help with that. But the reality is it's also impacting our spiritual selves. And, you know, at some level, our faith is shaken or it's also undergirded by a sense of trust in God. I mean, I love that Melissa, who is our director at Daystar, she's the one who said that courage isn't the antidote to anxiety, but trust is. Mm. And I think that's so true. I mean, I think there is you know, and, and as I'm saying this, I think we also have warped this sometimes in the church, but I think ultimately our faith does provide this really rich foundation to have a sense of trust in a God who cares for us and delights in us and is going to protect us. And, and I think when we struggle with that, our anxiety can be worse at times. Now, also from a clinical standpoint, I would say there are times that, you know, bottom line, our brain chemistry has shifted enough that We not only need counseling, but we need medication. And so we just want to hit it from all of those standpoints. We want to come at it from a scientifically based standpoint. We want to come at it from an emotional standpoint and a spiritual standpoint, because all pertain to what we're talking about in terms of anxiety. Right. And I really feel like our theology allows us to do that because, you know, we are complex beings. We are holistic beings. Um, If you think about the fall that we, we, easily want to just, I I've noticed this and I I've done a, I have not done much counseling, but as a pastor talking to people, it's very rarely as simple. Sometimes it is, but very rarely is our, our situations as simple as, is this a sin problem? Is this a behavioral problem, a habit issue? Is this a clinical issue? But most often what I've found is that a lot of these things are just marbled in and layered in together in people's lives in ways that are hard to often distinguish, like uh, physical and clinical and spiritual are, are just woven in there, which is why I really feel like good counseling is really helpful for all of those things, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about what parents can do, uh, some tips that you would give parents that are dealing with thinking, you know, helping their teens right now through, I feel like we're coming, we're starting to come out of the the pandemic, but I don't want to make any 
predictions because I've done that before. And, but you know, what, what are some tips that you, you can give parents besides obviously reading brave, which I think every parent should do and have their kid read, but teens that are struggling right now, they've had, Mm -hmm. especially many that have been away from their friends for a long time, or they're just struggling with how their life has been upended so Mm -hmm. dramatically. What are some tips you would give parents? Well, I think specifically when we're take, thinking about adolescence, I think so often we, number one, we either don't know what's going on with them or number two, we try to, as mo- teenagers will tell me that their number one complaint against their parents is that their parents try to fix their problems. And I think that's out of a really great hearted place of, I don't want them to be sad. I don't want them to struggle. And so I'm going to tell them what I think they should do to fix it. Um, it, But I think what the message we're wanting kids to get right now is the opposite of that. Like, I believe in you, you're capable. And, and I tell parents a lot, and I, I know you would agree with this too, that, that I don't think it's ever been harder to be an adolescent than today. And I don't mean just in the pandemic, although that Definitely. But even before the pandemic, I mean, just growing up with social media itself would be so challenging. And so I really my hope is that parents will sit down with kids and say, I can't imagine what it's like to be a 13 year old or a 16 year old or a 19 year old right now. Tell me what it's like for you. What are you what do you think are the hardest parts? Because I think when we I think that feels so honoring and respecting to them. I think they feel like we're saying your voice matters to me. Your feelings matter to me. And so I think we need to do a better job at asking questions where they feel safe answering. And then I think reinforcing that we believe that they're capable. I have a friend who said, when I was growing up, I wish my mom had said to me, you've got this more than let me get this for you. And that's, I think that's the message we need to be communicating to them. You're capable. And I'm going to help you find your way to tools that are going to make a difference because they're really, again, practical things we can do. But overarchingly, that would be what I would want parents' message to be. Empathy and then the message of, I believe in you. I think you're so capable. I can't wait to see how you tackle this because you got it. Yeah. One of the things you talk about in here is perception. Sometimes the way, and this has been really good for our whole family, but sometimes the way we perceive things is not necessarily how they are and how we can talk through those as a family. So that is a really helpful tool. Maybe explain that a little bit. Well, it was interesting doing research on this book because one of the things that it talked about is that one of the actually not just it doesn't just impact anxiety but it impacts depression too is our level of what's called rumination where it's not so much that we're thinking about an issue problem solving but we're more we've spun out into just overthinking something and you know I talk about a lot with kids like anxieties like the one loop roller coaster at the fair and so when we just loop and loop and loop and loop and think you know I made that situation so much worse. I have no idea what to do. I can't figure that out. I can't do anything about it anyway. And we just get stuck in this loop and that that shifts our perception and our perception becomes more based on emotion than it does reality. And for teenagers, that is particularly difficult at times. And so I think, again, as we're thinking about ways to talk to teenagers about this kind of thing, to let them start with leading, kind of telling you their perspective and 
you're going to be able to tell that. I mean, there are kids that I sit with as a counselor and I just let them talk for about 20 to 25 minutes, knowing their perception is leading this conversation. And then I'll say something like, do you think there might be more to the story? Or tell me kind of what you think, how you think that person saw that situation. Or, you know, I, I feel like I've heard a lot about what you feel. Now let's talk about truth in that situation. So helping them shift and see that that there's a bigger perspective than just their little perspective in this moment. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Um, and we could talk about so much more, but I'm so thankful for your ministry here and Daystar Thank Counseling you. and uh, your books. So we'll have links to all that, Sissy, and just want you to know that you're helping a lot of people, both through your counseling, but also through your, your work and your books. And I guess if there's one thing I would love for you to close us out with, uh, is there a piece of encouragement you would like to give to parents of teens that are going through really difficult situations? Uh, maybe, maybe teens that are wrestling with who God is and their relationship with him, wrestling through some very significant issues, perhaps with some mental health challenges. And, you know, when these things hit for us parents, it can be really overwhelming and distressing. So yes, of course. can you give a piece of encouragement for parents in those situations? Yes. I mean, I really think I heard somebody talk once about how your children are one of the only relationships that you'll ever have in your life that you don't pick. And in my mind, what that means is someone a whole lot smarter than we are picked for us. And so there is no mistake that you are the parent of that particular child, that particular child that's struggling, that particular child, like we were talking about in the beginning, that pushes your buttons, that one that you feel like, I have no idea what to do in this moment. God gave you to them on purpose and them to you. And so you do have what it takes to help that child and to love that child through whatever their situation is that's going on right now. And so that would really be my encouragement that you, that you've got it, not just we're communicating it to them, but I would want to say that to you, you've got this with whatever they're facing, you and God as a team can take care of them and can love them through this. And there's help out there if you feel like you need more voices, but I trust that you're the right person for the job. Mm, that's a really good encouragement. Really great encouragement. Well, Sissy Goff, thank you so much for joining us here on the Way Home Podcast. And we want to point point everybody to your resources, but thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com. If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at, at Dan Darling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Daniel M. Darling. I also want to encourage you again to check out my latest book, Away With Words, and you can visit awaywithwordsbook.com. Thank you for listening again to The Way Home Podcast. This is a production of the National Religious Broadcasters.